And I am now recording, so we are live. Congratulations. Do you need this? All right. It's okay. Something else I will not edit out of the podcast. But we are so glad you're here. Um, We have a special guest tonight that will be speaking, uh, bringing the word to us. His name is Nathan. Um, His cool youth pastor name is Pastor Nate Dog. Um, because he's that cool. Now, Pastor Nathan and I go way back. Uh, we actually had lunch today with Donald Anderson, which was loads of fun. Um, but Donald asked me a question. He goes, how, how do you guys know each other? Where did you guys meet? And I was like, okay, I was a youth pastor in Kansas. I came to youth, youth pastor in Kansas a couple centuries ago. And even when I came then, Nate was old. Um, he was... <laughs> He was the old youth pastor in Kansas then, and he's just, he's an amazing guy. Um, he's also called me fat when he was on lots of drugs. Um, maybe he'll tell that story. It's a great story. Uh, I got to share it from the pulpit of his church one time, which is great, because uh, it's a good time to dog on your friends, uh, especially when their name is Nate Dog. <laughs> but um, Nate, if you want to come up and join us, man, if you want to uh, just give him a warm welcome. Thank you, Kai Alpha. But... He's going to be sharing the word with us tonight, and I will probably come up. So whatever you say um, at the end about right. me, I'll, I'll try to come up and correct um, and tell the actual story. Um, if, if our stories don't exactly line up together, I don't know. And this is, this is for you. So just down and up arrow. Okay, That's cool. That's all you need. Hey, I'm a lead pastor, so I don't lie. So um, everything, everything I say about Jeremiah is real and true. <laughs> Uh, but no, man, what a privilege it is to be here, and I count it always a privilege to preach God's Word, uh, and it's no different here. I'm excited. I want to challenge you tonight, but I, I just, I'm thankful for your leaders. They're awesome. Our family has known Jeremiah and Bree and their family for a long time, and uh, like he said, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the old dudes. I'll be a half a century old in a couple of months, and uh <laughs> Yeah, man, and so we, we love it, though. We've loved youth ministry. We youth pastor for 23 years and uh, got to know that knucklehead uh, really well. Uh, but he's doing an awesome job, him and Bree, and uh, you couldn't have better leaders. And we're, we're stoked to support uh, this area, this university, and what's going on at Chi Alpha. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself real quick. I know I don't have a ton of time, but um, we do pastor now in Winfield, Kansas, we have a great church, and uh, Winfield, go Winfield, yeah, right, yeah. And uh, hey, I've uh, been married to my awesome wife, Cheryl, for 26 years. That's how old I am. Uh, our son, Zach, uh, is 25, married, giving us two awesome grandbaby girls, and uh, lives in Nebraska. And then uh, our oldest daughter, Skylar, is 21, about ready to move to Nebraska, Nothing good except for Brianna comes out of Nebraska, but uh, anyways, uh, so they're moving that way in ministry, and then uh, I've got a 17-year-old girl and a 12-year-old girl, so I have a 7th grader and a senior left in my house, Uh, but hey, we love them, and uh, we've been in Winfield for seven years pastoring, and we love it, and God's doing some great things there, and so just excited, and excited to be here. Uh, I felt like God really just gave me a very specific challenge for you tonight, and that was this, to challenge you to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to warn you, though, as I talk about this, the title of this is 
It will cost you something. Boom, where am I going? Where am I at? Here, you do this. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> it will cost you something. I, I want to talk to us about this thought for a moment. It will cost you something. The basketball net has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach about tonight, but I just thought it was cool. I know a lot of you athletes are here tonight. A lot of you are athletes, and uh, you know this terminology. You know to be the best, and whatever you do, it's going to cost you right? And, and whatever you do, you've got to practice. You've got to wake up early. You have to skip some of the things that your friends are doing, your roommates are doing. You got to put everything into that if you want to be the best at it. So you, you probably know this principle of the fact that it will cost you something. Uh, you know, I don't know if you watch YouTube very much, but if you do, you've probably seen, all of you watch YouTube, right? You've probably seen these guys on YouTube that give away things randomly, right? So they go up to front doors and they, like this guy named Juan, who says, hey, how much is your rent per month? And they tell him and he goes, cool, I wanna pay your rent, right? Have you ever seen the look on their faces when he says, hey, I wanna pay your rent? Or the guy that goes through the drive-through and says, hey, you know, pick a number and then add that to your tip and multiply it by 10 or whatever. And they're freaking out, right? The usual response when somebody wants to give away that kind of money is, wait a minute, I'm not going to take it because there's something attached to it, right? I, I watched a guy standing on the streets of New York just handing out $100 bills. He wanted to give people $100 bills. And people would pass them by not taking it because they thought if I take it, then there's going to be some kind of a string attached. So I'm going to have to do something in order to get that. And the funny thing that I saw was a lady looked at him. He's holding out the $100 bill. And she looks, looks back, grabs the $100 bill and runs down the sidewalk <laughs> out of there, right? Because she was afraid it was going to cost her something. You know, we all want something for nothing a lot. A lot of times our attitude, our mentality is we all want something for nothing. And I would submit even when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we want the relationship without having to pay the cost. Without having to pay the price. We say Jesus paid the price for us and so why should we suffer? And so sometimes we want something for nothing even when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament about King David that he was a man after God's own heart. King David, why was he a man after God's own heart? He messed up. He had an up and down kind of a tumultuous relationship with the Lord, but he was all in. In fact, when he went to go worship God and build an altar so he could make a sacrifice to God, he went to find property and the owner of the property said, hey, king, you can have this for free. I will give it to you. And this great line at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24, David responds and he says, hey, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. I want to challenge us tonight. Are you paying the price? I want to challenge you to go deeper in your walk with the Lord, but it's going to cost you something. Let me give you a first thought. Number one is just come after a, an authentic relationship. Yeah, that's it. One more. There we go. Come after an authentic relationship with the Lord. What do I mean by that? Come after a genuine grassroots authentic relationship with the Lord I mean this not your pastor's relationship 
Not your leaders here at Chi Alpha relationship with the Lord. Not the relationship that you've known maybe you've grown up in church. Not your uncle's relationship. Not your youth pastor's relationship. But your own. To come after Jesus in a way that you wake up and go, man, you mean I can have that kind of relationship with Jesus? I can have a friendship? A walk with the Lord? I can walk hand in hand with the, the Master, the Messiah, the one that created this world? I dare you, friends, to come after an authentic relationship, your own relationship with God. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says this, Seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. It's not on there, sorry. I don't have these scriptures on there, but I had the points on there. Um, when, it's, when it says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. You know, I, I uh, kind of pit these two things together, and you probably heard it, but a relationship versus religion. Religion is something that doesn't fall under the whole heart category. Religion is something that we do. And if we do it, and we can chalk it off, that's not our whole heart, right? That's not everything that's within us. It doesn't fall under the whole heart category. But relationship does, because relationship costs us something, right? It's a lordship commitment. So it means we've got to put some things away. We've got to get rid of some things, right? We've got to come after God, no matter what it costs us. You know, I think about this in a relationship. I don't know your name. What's your name? Casey. Casey? All right, Casey, I'm Nathan. All right, so, hey, we met. She's like, duh, they already said it. <laughs> but listen, Casey and I are mere what right now? Acquaintances, right? But if I want to build a friendship with Casey, what do I got to do? Got to hang out. Got to ask her questions. Got to find out what she likes, what she doesn't like. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Neither. Okay, Gatorade or water? Water. Water, okay. Pepperoni or sausage? Pepperoni. All right, go girl. All right, so, <laughs> hey, so anyways, listen. So those are the things. If, if I want to call Casey my friend, then I'm going to have to sacrifice and spend some time, right? I'm going to have to hang out. I'm going to have to get to know her. And so it's going to cost me something, and it's going to cost Casey something because she's got to hang out with me, right? It's going <laughs> to cost you something. So religion, I say it this way, and maybe you would disagree with me, but religion is spelled with two words, in my opinion. Do. Always having to do, right? D-O. Always having to do something, always having to chalk off something. But relationship, and here's the cool thing about a relationship with the Lord. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It's already done. Jesus paid the price. He already paid the penalty for you. He already paid the cost. So you and I just got to enter into that and walk with that. Walk with Him. The one that comes alongside. The one that can comfort. The one that can do so many different things when we give Him everything we've got. Matthew 6.24 says this, no one can serve two masters. He will either, what, hate the one and cleave to the other, or he will despise the one and adore the other. No one can serve two masters. Why do I give that scripture? Because I believe that religion, if we're trying to play the religious game and have a relationship with Jesus, that's serving two masters at one time. I really do believe that. I believe that God is saying, hey, here's the road. Are you in the middle? What side are you going to jump on? Get right or get left. Get in this. Jump in and do it with all of your heart. Go after an authentic relationship with God. Um, Relationship versus religion. Jesus Christ 
doesn't just want a piece of you, friends. He wants all of you. So Casey, you and I, we're, we're starting to get to hang out, right? We're buddies now. Do you like pie? Yeah. What kind of pie do you like? Apple. Apple pie. All right. All right. I, we can still be friends, but I can't stand apple pie. But anyways, <laughs> all right. A- anyways, listen. So what if I had an apple pie right here, home-baked, awesome, smelling good, right? And I said, Casey, you can have this pie. So she grabs the pie. She takes it back to her table. She's talking to her buddy. And uh, they're, they're like, they're scheming how they're going to dig into that pie. And it will be gone before they get back to their dorm room, right? So, so what if I then said, you know what, Casey, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. You can't have the whole pie. So let me take it back. And then I cut it. And I cut a piece. And I give it back to Casey, just the piece. But I keep the rest of the pie. And you're like, well, that's whack, Nathan. What you, whatever. But listen, isn't that what we often do with our relationship with the Lord? I don't know how long you've been in this relationship with God, or maybe you're not there yet. But often what happens is we come to an altar or this amazing time where we're at a Chi Alpha or in a church service and we go, God, we want to give you everything. Man, you can have my whole heart. You can have everything that there is, God. I give you all of it. And then when something gets tough, when it starts to cost us, we say, no, no, just, just joking. I'm going to take that part of my life back. God, you can't have everything. And so that's what we often do. We're like the apple pie. We first give God everything, and then we say, no, we, you can just have a peace, God. And so I want to challenge you tonight. Come after a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Thought number two. Remember this. Nothing's ever any fun if you just do it halfway. Right? How many of you athletes in here? All right. So I don't know what you play, but whatever you play, think about if you just played 50%. It'd be no fun. Get your fanny kicked. Get taken off the court or the field. Coach would be like, you're done. And then it becomes no fun, right? Have you ever played a board game or cards or whatever with somebody that when you get rolling, all of a sudden halfway through the game, that person quits because they're losing? Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I'm a pastor, but I want to grab them by the hair and pull them back to the table and go, what are you thinking, man? Keep it going. Finish it out, right? So listen, remember this. Nothing's ever any fun if you just do it halfway. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 talks about the men, the disciples, after Jesus left this world. It talks about these men who turned the world upside down for Christ. Turned the world. They're the men that started the Acts Church. They're the ones that, after Jesus was gone, they preached the gospel. They healed people in Jesus' name. And the world was turned upside down because of their faith, but because they gave it everything they had, even if it meant death, even if it meant being stoned to death, even if it meant going to prison, they gave it everything they had. So remember this, nothing's ever any fun if you do it halfway. John 10, 10, the latter part of that verse says, I have come to give you life and give it to you, what, more abundantly, right? So huge, big life. That's not halfway, that's everything. 
Let me give you some quotes along this line of doing it halfway. James Hightower says this, there's nothing in this is my, in my office. I love it so much. There's nothing in the middle of the road except for yellow stripes and dead armadillos. <laughs> Remember that. So in other words, man, don't get in the middle. Right? Pick a side. Stop walking the fence. Jump in and say, man, this is everything that I've got. Or another quote that I love. If the shoe fits, don't wear it. You're not allowing room for growth. You've heard the old adage of the shoe fits, wear it, right? But if the shoe fits, man, don't wear it because you're not allowing room for growth. Let's go big. Let's go deeper, right? People who want to live an exciting Christian life have to know their limits and then ignore them. I mean, if we want to be people that are noted to turn the world upside down for Christ, we've got to know our limits. Of course, man, live within the law do the right thing, but blow those limits away and go after God with all of your heart. Will people say this about your life? He or she did nothing in particular, but they did it very well. <laughs> I hope not. Another quote, there is something for you to start that is destined for you to finish. In order for you to finish it, you've got to give it everything you've got. Philippians 1.21 says this, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So if I'm going to live and people see life in me, it's got to be for Christ and with everything we've got. So I challenge you, live a fun and exciting life, but it'll cost you something. Live for Jesus with all your heart, but it's going to cost you something. My brother and sister-in-law are missionaries to West Africa. My brother-in-law, several years ago, was preaching the gospel, got into, I don't know if Pastor Jeremiah has ever said this uh, ministry, but Speed the Light provides vehicles for people all over the world. And he got into a Speed the Light vehicle. And as he was driving down with some African families down the road, uh, a bunch of Torags came by his truck, shot AK-47s, bullets through the door, went into his leg, two bullets this size went into his leg, ran down his leg and blew out his knee and his calf. Then they pulled the vehicle over, went eight miles out into the desert, pulled him out of the car, pointed a gun at his head, and they were going to kill him. The only thing that saved him, of course, was God's presence, but also an African lady in the vehicle that they had shot was crying out, you're going to kill a man of God, you're going to kill a man of God. And something spooked him, and he ran off, right? This person ran off, and my brother-in-law Brent was left in the desert for eight hours without circulation in his leg. We got word that they flew him, they flew him to France. They were trying to do everything they could to save his leg, and they thought they would have to amputate it. Went through hours and days and weeks and months of rehabilitation. But listen, they were able to save his leg. He's walking well today. But I sat in a Tulsa house with him as he was getting better. And I said, hey, what are you going to do, man? This has changed your whole life. You're just going to go teach somewhere out of school? Are you going to pastor a church or what? He goes, no, man, as soon as I can get the clearance, we're going back. Like, what? You're crazy. You just got shot, left for dead. You're going back? Here's what happened. When you give it everything you've got, listen. 
and went back, started preaching again. The very place where he was shot, there was a village nearby. The people asked if he would come back to that village. The chief of the village recognized who it was and what happened to him. And he directly spoke to my brother-in-law and said, hey, you serve a God that must be real. And so you can plant a church in our village if you want, anytime you want. Can I tell you, friends, listen, when you give it everything you've got, it might hurt. It might cost you something. You might have a limp like my brother-in-law does. But God sees that. And he'll look at you and go, man, your faith is amazing. I'm pleased with you. And so I'm going to blow your minds. One of my favorite scriptures, it probably in all the word is my favorite scripture, is Ephesians 3.20. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more than all you ask or think, according to his power that is at work within you. Man, if you trust an amazing God, amazing things are going to happen through you. Number three, and lastly, is this. Am I okay on time? I challenge you to live a God-sized dream. To live a God-sized dream. So if you're planted, if you say, hey, I'm putting my whole faith in Jesus, I'm coming after an authentic relationship with God, and not only am I doing that, but I'm giving it everything I've got, then I challenge you to dream big. Allow God to dream through you. Dream big. Dream to a place where you go, like Ephesians 3.20, Man, all I can think or comprehend, but God, do bigger than that. God, blow my mind. What are your dreams? I don't know. Maybe you have dreams to be a professional athlete. Well, put God in that, and all of a sudden it becomes so much bigger. If you dare to dream, or a professional singer, put God in that, and all of a sudden it becomes so much bigger and so much more effective business. Whatever it may be, dare to dream and then dream bigger with God in it. Let me, let me say this. If, if you don't have a purpose bigger than yourself, then you become your own purpose. I don't want to be my own purpose. I'm not really all that in a bag of chips without God. Right? I'm really not. That, I just dated myself right there. That was really old, but sorry. But I'm really not. Bible says that we're nothing without God. But we put God in our relationship, we put God in our dreams, and all of a sudden, man, they blow up to God-sized dreams. They get big. 1 John 3, 8 says this, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that He might destroy the enemy and the works of the evil, so that you can prevail over that evil. God can use you to conquer the junk in your life if you just keep dreaming big and asking God for God-sized dreams. You might know this verse well. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. So what that tells me is if you put your hope and your future in God, God says, I plan to prosper you. I plan to open the right door. I plan to blow your mind. Let me say it one more time, my favorite verse. Ephesians 3.20, not to him who is able, not to him, capital H, who is able to do far more than all you ask or think according to his power that is at work within you. 
It's a story of a professor, or excuse me, a, a man that was preaching the gospel in Chicago on a street corner. And he was preaching on old school, what they call their soapbox, right? Preaching on a street corner, and there was people listening, and there was a, a man in that crowd listening, and he said this, The world has yet to see what could be done with a man or a woman totally yielded to God. And that man in the crowd listening that day was Pastor D.L. Moody, who literally has changed the city of Chicago by the gospel of Christ. And he says this, he left that day and he said, by the grace of God, I will be that man. I will be that man. It's powerful. When's the last time you prayed something like that? When's the last time you said, man, I really want to live for Jesus and I really want to change my, my dorm, but I, I don't know that I can. We'll put God in that and say, hey, by the grace of God, by the power of God, I'm going to be that person that changes my dorm area. I'm going to be that person that changes my team. I'm going to be that person that has an influence on my field or my court or wherever it is. I'm going to be that person when you put God in it. I'll wrap up with this. Just have a few minutes. The reason why I told Jeremiah in a hospital that he looked fat well, I don't really know the reason why I said those words. But the reason why I was in the hospital is because 10 years ago I had a massive stroke. I had three brain bleeds, a stroke in my spine, and a dissected aorta, which means the big part of my heart was ripping open all at the same time. So three brain bleeds, a stroke in my spine that left me paralyzed from the waist down, and a dissected aorta. One of the worst events ever in my life. I got put in Wesley Hospital, flown to Wesley Hospital in Wichita, Kansas. Day nine, going through the worst part of my life. Day nine, they called my wife to tell me or tell her that I had gone code blue. I was dead on the table. They were trying to, everything they could to bring me back to life, but you're going to need to come to the hospital. So my wife got to the hospital to see a TV-like scene where... They were on top of me, pumping my chest and trying to bring me back to life. They were successful. God was successful. And so I went through five weeks in ICU, four weeks in an induced coma, one week snapping out of that, trying to get better, not being able to walk, hearing the doctors tell my wife every day that I would not walk, that I probably wouldn't live. And then I would hear if I did live, then I would be a vegetable for the rest of my life. And if then after that, if I'm not a vegetable, then I would definitely not get out of a wheelchair. And so they prepared me to live the rest of my life in a wheelchair. Pastor came and saw me at that point somewhere in there. And I, I was on drugs big time, I guess. And, and I was just thinking probably that he had just gotten married. He wasn't fat, but I said, man, you've gotten fat. And I thought, well, maybe just because his wife's feeding him well. But anyways, that's how messed up I was. I got taken to Lincoln, Nebraska to the number two rehab in the country. And as I was, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, their primary focus was to prepare me to live the rest of my life in a wheelchair. This is where the God-sized dream comes in. I didn't want to live the rest of my life in a wheelchair. 
I knew that my God was bigger than that. I knew that my God still heals and he still sets free and he still does radical book of Acts type things. And if you know nothing about that, dive into the book of Acts. Watch what God can do and still does today. And so I told my therapist, every one of them, hey, I I love and appreciate what you're doing. I'm praying for you. In fact, I want every one of your names because I'm going to pray for you. But I want you to understand, I am not wheeling out of this place. I'm walking out of this place. And so they give me a pat. They say, oh, that's cool. Well, we're going to work with you. And they work with me every day for a long time. They treated me very delicate because of my dissected aorta. And when I got to clear from that, I told them, I said, there's no more obstacles. So you can start kicking my butt in the gym. You can start working me. Like I had every Rocky movie in my brain playing through. Like the theme songs. Dun, 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 you know, and I'm like, I'm making a comeback. I'm making a comeback. But listen, I knew that God had bigger things for me still. And, and, and not that being in a wheelchair the rest of my life would have been all that bad. But I knew that God wanted to prove himself through my situation. And so I'm not, I said, I'm not wheeling out of here. And so I did everything I could and I prayed and I trusted in a mighty God. And can I tell you, week five, at the end of week five, I was walking with a walker. And then at the end, very end of that time, they came and said, hey, we want to release you to go home. And I was on a cane and I walked out of that rehab to my van with a cane and that's it. And I turned around and I said, see, Look what my God can do if you just dare to dream. I think of that, and I want to challenge you with this little thought for a moment. Some of you have been paralyzed, but not physically. Some of you are paralyzed by anxiety. Some of you are paralyzed by depression. Some of you are paralyzed by fear. Some of you are paralyzed by the thoughts and the things that you've heard in your ears for a long time, like you'll never amount to anything. Right? Or you're not good enough. Or you're just under the cut. Whatever you hear, you've been paralyzed by that. Some of you have been paralyzed by the hurt you've seen in your family. Or maybe you grew up in church and you've seen junk in the church that should never happen. And you've been paralyzed by that. Can I just talk about the words of Paul for a second? Where he talks about at the end of Ephesians. And he, he lists the full armor of God. And then he says at the end, he said, after having done everything you do to stand, he said, then stand. And I would read that and I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I've done everything I can do to stand. How am I going to just stand? Right? How am I going to stand? And then I thought of this illustration. In my family, I have three girls. I love girls. Two redheads. So... They're fiery. They gave me an attitude. But it used to be every Friday night we'd get ready for movie night. I'm almost done, Pastor. Um, we'd get ready for movie night. So we'd pop some popcorn. I'd let the kids pick out a movie. And we'd put it in. We'd get it on the couch. And we'd get around. And we'd start getting ready for this movie. And they were so excited, man. I mean, so... Uh, I'm, I'm a Californian originally. So so stoked to watch this movie, right? And... Uh, and uh, we get started, movie would be going, be eating popcorn, and then I'd look, and all my girls are passed out of sleep. <laughs> right? They're done. We're, we're 20 minutes into the movie, they're passed out of sleep. 
And, and my middle girl, her name is Sage, and she was young, and I'll never forget, I, I would pick her up, and I'd carry her to bed, and this is before stroke, I carried her to bed, and, and I'd put her in bed, and I'd tuck her in and kiss her goodnight, and then come and wake her up in the morning, and I'll never forget this thought, or this look, she would wake up, and she'd be like, wow, like, this is my bedroom, but I was just on the couch, so how did I get here? And the reason why I say that is this, listen, when you're at your worst, when you're the, the most tired and the most wore out, when, when fear or whatever it is dot, dot, dot has paralyzed you, that's when God comes alongside and he says, hey, you've done everything you can do to stand. I mean, you, you put your all into this relationship. You've given it everything you've got and you've dared to dream. So now I'm coming alongside and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you to the place where you can rest and then dream more. And that thought blows my mind because that's where I was. And God says, hey, I got you. I got you. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you to the place where you need to be. So you can get some rest. Friends, I want to challenge you. Dare to come after a God in a way that people notice. But it's going to cost you. Come after an authentic relationship, but it's going to cost you. Do it all the way, 100%, but it's going to cost you. Dream big and allow God to work through you. And watch people notice, but it's, it's going to cost you. I want to pray with you. I want to have the privilege to pray with you. And then Jeremiah is going to come back. I just want to ask you, though. I feel like this is something that maybe we just need to kind of put a period on or an exclamation mark. But if you've been paralyzed by something that I stated earlier, would you just slip your hand in the air real quick? Man, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to t ask you to tell it out loud. But I want to pray with you. Wow. All right. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. It's real. It's a real thing that you and I experience. Anxiety, depression, fear, stuff that a lot of you might deal with in this area. And I want to pray that God gives you victory. Because if God gives you victory over that, then you're going to be able to dream bigger than ever before. And who knows? Maybe this campus, your family, your dorm, your ball team will be changed upside down for Jesus. Would you give an opportunity to pray? Let's pray together. Lord, thanks God for these young adults. Thanks for these awesome people. God, thanks for the fact that, Lord, many of them have started following you and serving you. And maybe some in this room tonight haven't. Maybe some in this room haven't started that journey. They're just here because they were asked to come or they heard some music or whatever it is. And Lord, if that's somebody in this room tonight, I pray that they would dare to come after you for the first time ever. God, I pray that they would dare to come after you in a way that they go, man, if you're real, God, I want to have a relationship with you. And those that have done that already but fallen away, I pray, God, that this would be the night that they would say, hey, I'm coming back, and I'm going to dive in and give it everything I've got, and I'm going to trust you, God, to do the impossible. And then, Lord, specifically, we pray tonight with those who have been paralyzed by fear or anxiety or depression or panic attacks or whatever it is, the, the words they've heard or the thoughts they've had. God, I pray that you would help them to put their trust in you to rise above that and for them to see victory 
over those things. God set them free tonight so that they can dream big and watch you do something amazing in their life. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.